Houston, we have a birthday. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 152, The Best of Year 3. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be kicking off this discussion today. Three years ago this week, we launched the first episode of Houston, We Have a Podcast. We've brought in so many scientists, engineers, astronauts to talk about a huge variety of topics and share some incredible stories. We're celebrating another great year of Houston, We Have a Podcast. This time, we're bringing in the entire podcast team and putting them in front of the mics to talk about some of our favorite moments from the past year of episodes. Today, I'm sitting down with producer and audio wizard Alex Perryman, as well as producer and host Pat Ryan. We're also bringing in Norm Moran, who prepares each episode for the web and shares them with the world. We're also bringing in Belinda Polito, who prepares the transcript for each episode and does a more than fantastic job of making the episode understandable by all. We have Jennifer Hernandez, a fellow public affairs officer who also helps in producing and promoting. She was even a co-host on one of our most recent episodes. And of course, Dan Hewitt, who helped kick the whole thing off. Now, I wanted to bring in the whole podcast team, but we're all recording from home, so you're going to hear it on Microsoft Teams. It's going to sound a little bit uh, different from how we usually do it, but I hope you'll stay tuned. If you're new to the show, this will give you a nice snapshot of some of the conversations we've had so far. Happy birthday to us. Let's jump right ahead to reminiscing with the podcast team. Enjoy. We did it, guys. Another year down. I cannot believe we have been doing this for three years. It has been such an honor to be working with every single one of you. I'm glad you can all be here. This is the first time we have the entire podcast team. I wanted to bring you guys on to celebrate and to also just introduce you because a lot of you, yes, have been on some of the previous anniversary episodes, but this is a lot of the times for some of our listeners that you'll um, actually, it'll be the first time that uh, a lot of them get to actually hear your voices. So I'm glad to be doing this. But first, we got to kick it off to the audio wizard herself, Alex Perryman. How are you? How has this past year been? This past year, thank you for that lone applause. This past year has been uh, very interesting for the wizard, but it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, just the new episodes that we got to do, the new editing techniques that I was doing, just all of that is has been great this year. So, Alex, to, uh, talk a little forget, bit about... Don't... Don't forget her newfound TikTok stardom. Yeah, that's right. Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself and your and your newfound fame. About me. So I've been working at NASA for almost four years now uh, as an audio engineer. Do everything from live TV to this podcast here when it comes to audio. And during the what we call the quarantine fame, I became pretty popular on TikTok. So it's, it's about 11K strong right now. Congratulations. That's awesome. And you are the audio wizard. You've been with us since the very beginning. We've been doing this for three years, seen a lot of stuff. And you're the audio wizard for those who have not heard the story uh, because of your insane audio abilities and your ability to uh, resurrect audio files from the quote unquote dead. So happy to have you as part of the team, Alex. So happy to be here. <laughs> All right, next is uh, Pat Ryan. 
podcast producer extraordinaire and uh, the velvety baritone voice. Pat, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. But, you know, working for Alex Perryman, there's no way it can be bad. Tell us a little bit about what you do for the podcast and, uh, and for NASA. I am a producer and writer uh, in, for the public affairs office and working on a variety of things, including producing the podcast and uh, serving as the backup interviewer on occasion. That's, that, that's the short answer. Well, it is, uh, it's been wonderful to have you, Pat. I don't think I could do this without you. Um, because it's just this podcast has grown and we have so many different topics. Uh, we are at, what is this? This is 152, yeah. 152 episodes. I just, you know, I, could, I couldn't do it without you. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you as part of the team. Well, that's nice of you to say, although I know you have done it without me. So uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a good thing, though. Uh, <laughs> and it's good to point out that uh, this podcast, with the exception of the time that the federal government was shut down, this podcast is posted every single week, never missed a week. Very proud of that, and all thanks to your help. Thank you very much. All right, here's a voice that you've maybe heard, I think, once on the podcast last year for the anniversary. Uh, she was the one taking uh, photos of our anniversary episode. We got her to say hey, but uh, here's here's Nora Moran. You've, you've heard her voice at the end of most of the episodes for the past at least year and a half. Nora, welcome. Hi. So, um, I, yeah, I've been working on the podcast now for, I think, a year and a half, and I wear a few different hats here at NASA. Um, I'm a photographer, so I work with the NASA photo team that did a podcast here. Those guys are my, my coworkers. Um, but I also work over here with all of you guys doing uh, social media stuff. Um, I do a lot of the ISS social media postings. And uh, for the podcast particularly, I put together all of the NASA.gov webpage posts um, and all the subsequent posting. And I make all of the thumbnails and sort of put it all together. Uh, I used to do all of the transcripts as well, but then Belinda came along to help me out, which has been awesome. Made my job a lot easier. Nora, you do a lot for the podcast, and I was really nervous that after your year with us that you were going to move on to to uh, different things, and you did such a good job. Um, I'm glad you were able to stick with us uh, and, and continue to post. You, you've been doing really good. Um, all the thumbnails, all the unique links. There's, there's been a lot of instances, even this past year, where we've just had very unique um, episodes. I think one of my favorites in particular was The View from Above. That was one that uh, Pat hosted. Uh, but it was an integrated audio podcast. But if you go to the webpage, you can actually follow along uh, through the imagery journey that, that uh, our guest, uh, Will Stefanoff, was taking us through. Um, and follow along. And that was all thanks to you putting that together. So Nora, you've been doing great. It's been, it's been an honor to have you. Thank you. It's been really fun to be on this team. Please don't go away. <laughs> and uh, next is B Belinda. Nora, you mentioned Belinda. Belinda, you have been an incredible asset to this team. Um, I think the transcripts have significantly improved uh, since I remember I was doing them in, in the very beginning. Uh, but you take a lot of time and you're very detail oriented and uh, it's been great. So Belinda, tell us a, a little bit about your contribution to the podcast and a little of what you do. Yeah. Hi, I'm Belinda. 
and I have been part of the team since September of last year, so a little less than a year. Um, it's been a great experience overall. I've gained so much new science, math, and knowledge working on the transcripts weekly. Uh, my job is to go over the transcripts, as I mentioned, and all I do is like basically do fact checking, acronym research, among other items uh, throughout the week. And I have helped also in guest coordination, which is, has been amazing. And I also been part of other projects across NASA. I started as an intern uh, and was lucky enough to still, you know, to stay and work around the multimedia uh, spectrum. And I've been here for two years now. Um, time flies. Uh, and this team is like a family to me. We all get along really well and we work really well as a team. Yeah, so I, I definitely look forward to each week for working on the show and just working with this amazing team. It's been it's been a great almost one year with you guys. <laughs> well, Linda, that means so much. Um, it's been it's been an honor to have you. Really, uh, you do you do an excellent job, and and I also look forward to to this meeting. I try to make it fun, and we always come up with unique ideas. And to Pat's point, we haven't really missed a week. Uh, so, and that's all thanks to you guys contributing and and putting forth so much effort to actually make it possible. So, Belinda, thank you for being a part of this team. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. All right, now I'll introduce our, our newest member, uh, but I feel like, Jennifer, you've been you've been a part of the team for a while, and you've contributed already so much, even, even co-hosting and a number of other things. Uh, Jennifer Hernandez, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hey, Gary. Thank you so much. Um, I think, well, first of all, I'm a freshly minted public affairs officer here at uh, NASA Johnson Space Center, so... Uh, I'm nearing about eight months, and I specifically work with our, you know, flight operations directorate, which includes our astronauts, and and work with our social media manager for a lot of the social media efforts. But um, for the podcast specifically, I think the best way to describe my role in the part on the podcast starts with me just inserting myself and just showing up to to the meetings. Um, and so I can't thank you all enough for, for accepting me and allowing me to help with uh, contributions like guest coordination and social media efforts with, with Nora. And, and it's been a lot of fun because I'm also learning along the way and getting to know a lot of different people across the agency with all the different people that we get to talk to and a lot of the behind the scenes that, that we have the opportunity to be a part of. So it's been a load of fun. So thank you very much for, for allowing me to join y'all. Jennifer, it's been fantastic to have you as well. Um, I think, you know, you, you talk about you freshly minted and being able to see, uh, you know, all the different parts of the agency. But I think what I really value about your contribution is the, your fresh perspective. Uh, you know, I just said uh, we've been doing this for three years and maybe it doesn't sound like a lot, but I feel like, you know, you can somehow get trapped in like a routine of, of, of doing things a certain way. So keeping us fresh and making sure we're constantly thinking about new ideas and how to approach things um, has been really refreshing. So Jennifer, it's been fantastic to have you. Thanks, Gary. Dan Hewitt, another OG, kicking us off with episode one. I'm glad you can actually join us. Um, we've been missing you for this past year. Haven't heard your voice hosting in quite a while but I'm glad that you can join us and take part in celebrating this an another year of Houston. We have a podcast, Dan Hewitt. Thanks Gary. And always fun to be here. I miss filling in every once in a while, but Gary and Pat have it so well covered. I've been off doing other things. So kind of an interloper this year, but 
always happy to jump on and be your guys' cheerleader. And I'm wondering what flavor cake everybody made for themselves at 10 a.m. <laughs> I'll no, be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, it's uh, thanks for helping to kick us off. I know I, I I do mean it when I say that, you know, I think we I think we all miss having you uh, host and we'll have to look forward to having you on a little bit more. Um, but I know, uh, you know, I, besides you being part of the podcast, you did have a lot to do with the demo to mission, just an incredible amount of work and it definitely paid off. Uh, so I'm glad to even have you be a small part of this team. Um, and I know you work a lot with commercial crew and, and any, anything, human space flight, um, you know, the international space station and, and so forth. And that's really, you know, I, I consider you the team leader. You are the team leader. Uh, and that's my job here. Um, I'm Gary Jordan, and uh, I'm, I'm a public affairs officer as well under Dan's team, uh, focusing mostly on commercial crew these days, uh, but also the podcast host and uh, really helping to kick, kick this thing off and continue it going. And I absolutely love, love doing it every single week. Um, and so I will continue, I will continue to talk to great people for my own selfish reasons. I love sitting down and trapping people for an hour just to help them with questions because uh, I'm super interested in all of this. So it's been a pleasure to, to be doing this. I want to uh, kick off this year of reminiscing. Um, you know, we're, we're in July 2020 by the time this thing actually actually comes out. And we have had a lot of content. But actually, if you take it back a whole year, the first episode that we did after our last anniversary was episode 100. Uh, that's crazy to think about um, that we started off the year uh, with a hundred, the 100 episode celebration. We got to, I got to sit down with the administrator who has, uh, who has said very nice things about the podcast. And, and it was a pleasure to have him on again, actually, we did have him on beforehand, but it was really, it was really fun having him on to kick us off. And this was a contest of political ideologies. It was a contest of um, economic ideologies. It was a contest of technological prowess. And in this great contest of great powers, uh, the United States of America was determined to win. And the objective was to get to the moon. Interestingly, um, we were able to achieve that victory uh, July 20th, 1969, with Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and of course 400,000 people that were working on the program at the time. Um, and when we achieved it, um, we moved into a new era where we, in fact, now partner with Russia. Now, of course, Dan, uh, I know episode one always seems to be at the top of the list for the number of downloads. Um, I think it was last year we actually said that uh, Stan Love's episode, Mars is Hard, had more downloads than episode one, overtaking it for year two. I'm proud to say year three, we do have a new uh, top episode, um, and that is episode 101 with our uh, podcast guest extraordinaire, Jennifer Ross Nazelle, who has been on a few times. Yes, well-deserved round of applause. She contributed so much to the podcast. Um, but Jennifer uh, came on for this episode to talk about the lesser-known stories of Apollo 11 um, and... It was a unique episode because she did a lot of the work and research herself. She was the historian bringing on some of these great stories. You know, a lot of people, you probably hear a lot of uh, conspiracy stories about how 
of course, we didn't really go to the moon. A lot of people say, well, one reason is because if you look at that flag that's on the moon, it looks like it's fluttering in the wind. Well, <laughs> Jack Kinsler had come up with this idea because, of course, they wanted you to be able to see the flag. So they actually stitched a hem on this flag and they had an aluminum rod that would go through. You were actually supposed to completely stretch it out so it'd be completely straight for the photos. But the crew noticed that it would it was kind of fluttering, you know, the way it might flutter here on Earth. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't extend that aluminum rod that whole way. They decided to leave it where it looked like it was fluttering. Oh. And so to this day, a lot of people say, well, of course, it's on a soundstage somewhere in Burbank or what have you. <laughs> and uh, But it, he had designed it that way. Yeah, so that was that was uh, the number one listened to episode of the past year. Still is, I believe. So I guess we'll have to come up with an even cooler idea for uh, year four here, guys. So so get those uh, get those wheels turning. Um, so this one didn't exactly make it as the top contender, but I will say this one had the most um, social media engagement on, on the episode that I've seen in a long time. Episode one hundred four uh, with Jason Hutt. Uh, this was an episode where Jason Hutt he's I, I, I applaud this guy's brain because he thinks of every emergency scenario that can happen on a deep space mission, and he's thinking about how to um, mitigate some of those risks with backup computers, with fire suppression, with all of these different techniques. So he's the one that's thinking of all these different uh, ways to save the crew, save the mission um, through all of these different emergency scenarios, going deep down the rabbit hole, and it was just fascinating to be talking to him. It has to get through these several layers of defense right. first. It's got to be, you know, the design of the equipment itself, the nitrogen flowing over it. Right. It's there's a lower probability of catching fire in the first place, but what if it does? That's where you're at right now. And we've tested those computers to show and shown that if a fire does start in that com computer, hmm. it usually burns itself out. So oh. again, it would have to be something else would have to catch on fire with it in order for that fire to propagate and get worse in the cabin. A low probability of something. Right. getting to that point, which As is why you're, that's your risk. Right. As okay. opposed to a fire in the open cabin right. where you have clothes for the crew members, maybe mm -hmm. you have a paper from a, something that they're working on. There's, there's more fuel that could be consumed in a fire in the open cabin than there is behind some of these bays. Okay. Right. And obviously, you know, a lot of teams working on this, assessing this, and figuring out that, yes, there is a risk of that, but it's so low that we can feel comfortable designing it in this fashion. Right. Okay. But we still have the capability to respond in some form or fashion. We yes. can't have the 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 hubris of, of saying this will never, never happen. happen. Right. right. Of course, year three had a lot of uh, returns of guests to the podcast. We already mentioned Jennifer Ross Nazelle, but we also had the return of Najud Morancy, uh, who some may recognize as uh, one of our earlier podcast guests. She talked about Orion, the very uh, base episode of Orion. The episode title was just Orion, but she's since moved on to bigger and better things working with mission planning and was actually able to draw really good comparisons of the Artemis mission mission architecture and the Apollo mission architecture. It was absolutely fascinating because I think a lot of people have this confusion of what is Artemis doing uh, versus what Apollo is doing, you know, and, and there was, she really broke it down in a super understandable way. So this mission profile, the mission profile of Apollo, what was good about it to meet the needs of the time? Uh, what was good about it is by putting it all on one launch, um, while you limited where you could go on the surface of the moon, it was one launch, so that way you had the least amount of resources assigned to it, the least amount of risk 
um, even though there's a lot of risk still. Uh, you only had one launch to get it up there. But as a result, you were very limited on how long you could stay and how much you could take, which was only three people for a limited stay of a couple days. Hmm. So why won't this mission profile work for what we want to do with Artemis? So one of the big differences between Apollo, which was get to the moon as fast as you can, as quick as you can, uh, it is for Artemis, we want to be sustainable, hmm. which means we want to be able to explore for longer durations. Potentially, you could build bases, but also you want to demonstrate things you need to go to Mars. And all of the things you need to go to Mars involve much longer durations. Um, surface days on Mars are basically 30 days to six months. So you need to be able to do long duration stays and have long term buildup of stuff because you need a lot more stuff the longer you're going to stay. Um, so it's a very different goal. Um, between Apollo and Artemis. And complicated. Now, when yes. you stay longer and you need more stuff, that's all more complicated stuff. Now, of course, Pat, I skipped uh, I skipped a few steps here. Uh, I want to circle back to you uh, because I was just going through some of my favorite episodes. Uh, but I did want to take it back to episode 102. Um, this was one of my favorite episodes for sure because uh, usually we, you know, we only take a few guests and we have them for an hour. But this was a montage of some of the most important people, the the biggest leaders here at NASA uh, to talk about how Apollo 11 influenced them and, and a little bit about how they view human spaceflight. It was a really good episode, Pat. Yeah, well, thanks. I At the time, last July, when we we're all focused on the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, uh, I thought that it might be looking for a little different angle that we talk to the leaders of NASA's current human spaceflight programs and the offices uh, here at the Johnson Space Center, the home of human spaceflight in America, uh, to get their ideas on what we call the next first steps, uh, the programs that NASA is working on now that are aimed at putting Americans back on the moon so that we can learn how to put some other astronauts on Mars someday. Uh, we talked to uh, leaders from headquarters, and uh, from JSC, center leadership, program leadership, uh, to hear their personal memories of Apollo 11. Uh, now, most of them did have one, and they had some unusual stories, uh, but also how they were influenced directly or indirectly in their future careers. Uh, that was episode 102. Take a listen. Uh, that For all of that, I particularly, uh, particularly, I think, for their thoughts on the value of putting the human in human spaceflight. And why it matters that we put people on top of rockets so that we can explore off the planet. Uh, I put together a short clip here, first featuring Johnson Space Center Director Mark Geyer, and then Steve Kerner, the chief of the Flight Operations Directorate here at JSC. Uh, they're talking about the unlikely intersection of practicality and destiny. The human mind is an incredible machine, and we uh, the mind is capable of learning and adapting so much more than any computer that we may ever develop. And we saw in Apollo that when we sent those scientists to the surface, their ability to learn and adapt and enhance what we were trying to do, I mean, just multiplied our capability so much more. You know, the rovers on Mars are, are incredible machines, but even then, they're limited. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I think it is... Um, you know, we, I believe that, the, that our destiny is, as a species is not limited to Earth, that we will go out into the solar system. And so to me, this is the beginning of that destiny.
asking the first folks that sailed the seas, why is it important? Or asking the first folks that flew, why is it important? You look back and now it seems commonplace that of course it was important, but I don't know that they started off with all those answers. Um, but that, that inquisitive human nature of this is something that, that uh, ought to be pursued. So that, that's kind of at one almost general level. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what the right word there is, but for me more personally, it's the opportunity to, to influence um, in a way that's significant. Human spaceflight. I mean, um, I can't think of a, uh, a better time to spend, better way to spend my time um, for myself personally challenging me, but also contributing to, to my kids, my family. Um, human spaceflight is, a, is an impressive, um, grand, bold, um, effort that uh, to me is absolutely worth it from a, um, again, a personal perspective. In anything I do, I look for three things. I want to have fun, I want to provide value, and I want to learn something. And I, I challenge somebody to, to point out something other than human spaceflight that could more maximize those three things. So I had a lot of fun talking to all these people who are running today's human spaceflight programs and and seeing them on a personal level, but learning things I didn't know about their backgrounds and why they do what they do here. That was a really good episode. And, you know, all of the things you just said, why they do what they do, but also, you know, we're th this was a really important year for this anniversary, especially uh, the Apollo 11 anniversary. But we really investigated a lot of moon episodes. Pat, I know you spearheaded a few of them um, with author Andy Chankin, and we got um, – I guess a resident moon expert, Sam Lawrence, in yeah. here. Uh, all these great episodes, really diving deep into the moon. It was a, an unplanned conjunction, really, but we ended, aired back-to-back -back weeks in October of episodes 113 and, and 114. Um, it was at first our friend Gordon Andrews called up and said, hey, do you want to interview Andrew Chaikin? We said, yeah, where, when? Uh, he's a longtime space journalist and, and big NASA uh, cheerleader. And this came just after the Apollo 11 and in public affairs, of course, we were talking a lot about the Artemis program and about the new effort to return astronauts to the moon. Um, Chaikin is so conversant in Apollo history and he can make the historical connection from what happened then to what we're doing now. Uh, he also told a story about the value and the importance of having human beings involved in space exploration. Uh, he talked about the le this lesson he learned after his mother suggested to him that he write about the people who were involved in Apollo, and that led him to interviewing all but one of the Apollo astronauts. What I brought to bear on Man on the Moon was a sensitivity to the human experience and a, a sense of how to put myself in their place from what they were telling me in these interviews, that I could then be a storyteller and, and make that experience come alive on the page. You un undoubtedly, you would agree that the reason people get more excited about lunar exploration with astronauts, as opposed to unmanned sure. probes, is the manned part. It's exactly. That it puts the everybody else in that spot. You know what the perfect example of that is? Um, you know, Apollo 8 was the first human beings Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, Bill Anders, they were the first human beings to leave the Earth and 
and visit another world. They didn't land, of course, they circled the moon, but they were the first to experience the sight of the lunar far side with human eyes. They were the first to see the Earth from lunar distance. The famous Earthrise picture that Bill Anders took became a touchstone for the, for the latter half of the 20th century. But three years before, or two years before that, lunar orbiter, uh, one of the lunar orbiter probes had circled the moon and taken an Earthrise picture. And at the time, it was a big deal. It was a headline. But nothing compares to the sound of a, of a human voice coming to us from a place where no one has ever been. And nothing compares to having those people come back and tell us, in their own words, what that was what like. What it was like. Yeah. You can't do that with a robot. Uh, Neil Armstrong once said, a robot, a human can be amused and amazed, and a robot can do neither. <laughs> so, you know, there, we have this innate desire in us. We all start out as explorers, right? When we're learning to crawl, and we're, we crawl from one room into another, that's our moonwalk. But we're exploring our environment. We're exploring. We are driven to do that. It's in our DNA. And so we want to go. We, we want to be, uh, we want to have the experience of seeing what no one's ever seen, of knowing what no one's ever known. And I personally have been driven by that feeling since I was five years old, and I still have that inside me, that I want to go into space and then I come back and tell about it. I don't know if I'll ever get that chance, but that is what has driven me my whole life. And uh, Chaikin also talked a lot about the scientific importance of research on the moon, but we got a lot more of that from the guest the following week. Uh, Sam Lawrence is his name. He's a planetary scientist in the Astromaterials Research and Exploration Science Division at JSE. Uh, what that means is he's the lead lunar exploration scientist, very involved in actually developing the scientific objectives of the Artemis project. Uh, Lawrence actually calls himself the cheerleader in chief for the moon. Among the cool things I learned about the moon that day, things which frankly I don't remember having learned when I was a student for many reasons, uh, but it was Lawrence's explanation of how the moon is responsible for us knowing how old all the planets are. He gives the credit for that to the human beings who went to the moon with picks and shovels. The biggest reason why I say that the moon is the Rosetta Stone of the solar system is we landed with astronauts who did field work in key locations on the lunar surface. From that field work, they, they picked up samples, they, they did geology in the field, they selected, they carefully selected samples, well, more carefully in some cases than others, <laughs> but they selected samples that were tied back to specific locations on the lunar surface. And from that, we brought it back here to Houston and then distributed those samples all over the world and just did radiometric age dating, figured out how old those samples were. And very similarly to, um, you know, when you cut down a tree, you count the number of rings, right. and that tells you how old the tree is. Well, on, a, on another planet, especially ones that don't have atmospheres, it is the number of craters that tells you that can be used to infer how old the surface is. The more craters there are, the older the surface Longer is. Longer it's been there That's and right. exposed to exposed to passing asteroids. That's right. And so it's, you know, that there are always exceptions to every rule, and that's sort of a gross oversimplification of it. But in general, that rule holds. The older the surface, the more craters there are. So what you could do is you could count the areas near the Apollo landing site, see how many craters are on those areas, and then figure out, because we have samples, the radiometric age dates, you know, see how old they were. And then that time scale has actually been extended to every single one of the inner terrestrial planets, Mercury, Mars, 
Vesta. Um, and it really is this gift that has kept on giving. You, know, you can make a pretty good case, in a sense, it is actually what happened, that uh, most of the discoveries we've made in planetary science over the past five decades are directly or indirectly related to the discoveries made by the Apollo astronauts on the surface of the moon. And of course, that includes the next to last man on the moon, astronaut Jack Schmidt, who, Gary, you talked to for episode 121 that we posted last December. Uh, Sam Lawrence has a real easy to understand explanation for why sending astronauts back to the moon's a good idea and about how things we believe are there can help us succeed in our goal of creating that sustainable presence on the moon that we need in order to help us get to Mars. And this was such an important year for um, just thinking about the moon and looking forward to Mars. It was a year of anniversaries too, not just the one, but we all, you know, like you said, Pat, I did get to talk with uh, Jack Schmidt uh, um, this was actually for a lot of the Apollo 11 stuff, but I really got to ask him a lot of questions about Apollo 17, which is years down the road. But, uh, you know, I just I wanted to make sure that people got to hear his voice, especially now uh, thinking about Artemis, where we are um, with some of the current programs and, and milestones, even 47 years instead of 50 uh, after his mission. But I think, you know, along the lines of anniversaries, I loved Apollo 13. I'm so happy that we actually got to have them. Um, here in the studio 50 years later to remember such a milestone mission. Um, of course, Lovell was on the phone, but but Fred Hayes we got to have in the studio. He came very early. Belinda, I remember you were there, uh, and we got, to, we got to sit down with Fred Hayes and just have some back-and-forth chit-chat just about for – for about an hour, uh, just about different things about life. Uh, and it was, it was really ha- great to have him. Belinda, I don't know if you uh, – I know that was kind of cool yeah. to have him there. Yeah, I, I had actually met him as an intern, but to meet him again at the podcast, um, that that episode, Apollo 13, was amazing. He's, he's a great person as well, so it was a great, it was definitely a highlight for me for being part of the, the podcast. Well, I mean, uh, we had the bang and, uh, you know, it rang through this metallic structure. We're in metal vehicles. Uh, and, uh, of course, the first thing is, what was it? What was it? <laughs> and... Uh, at the time I got uh, to the left of the lunar module where I was putting away equipment we had out to do a show-and-tell TV show. Mm. I was still putting things away. Uh, by the time I drifted up to my position in the right couch, which had a lot of the uh, uh, cryogenics and the fuel cells and all of that, I looked and saw one oxygen, two oxygen instruments uh, on tank two in the bottoms, both pressure and quantity. And I knew we had lost one oxygen tank almost for sure because there's two different kind of uh, uh, sensors that would feed those uh, dials. And so I knew we had lost a tank and I knew we had, uh, that would constitute an abort. So I was sick to my stomach with disappointment because I knew pretty quick we had an aborted mission and we weren't gonna get to land on the moon. And of course, uh I think another thing about this year is we really dove right into a lot of different series. Um, I think there's a few that are definitely stick out as my favorite. Of course, the uh, series on the alpha magnetic spectrometer. Uh, we did that because they were doing some really important work to uh, basically uh, restore the AMS's cooling um, components to its full capability to continue 
the experiment and have it keep collecting some amazing particles. But we had a series on the alpha magnetic spectrometer diving deep into the science and the spacewalks. And Pat, I know you got to talk uh, with a lot of different tool developers on just the intricate details. We got real nerdy with this. Uh, definitely <laughs> one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, they. Uh, these are the, the people who are responsible for, for managing the team that actually had to develop some brand new tools to do this work on the spacewalk. Alpha magnetic spectrometer was not designed to have this sort of surgery performed on it in space. So they had to figure out how to do it without damaging the instrument. And they had to develop some absolutely completely brand new tools. They even talked about one of them that was that uh, the help that they were getting from some college students. They uh, they ran a program. There's a program that runs all the time that helped college students uh engineering students learn about things, and they had some help from college students on how to save that instrument. Now, that was one of the many series we had. We had a few more. Of course, we, it was the return of HRP for those longtime listeners. We did a series with them, I believe, we'll call it season one, but it was our first year. Uh, we had the five hazards of human spaceflight. We had the return of some of those uh, fantastic guests. I know uh, Tom Williams is one that sticks sticks out um, just because I had a fascinating conversation with him about isolation um, back in the Five Hazards, but we got to have him again for another series of the Human Research Program. Jen Fogarty helped us to kick it off, and man, what a fascinating um, what a fascinating person Jen is. Just I didn't really need to um, ask her a ton of questions because she just started going deep into how the human body works in space. And I honestly, I told her afterwards, I said, Jen, you're one of those few people I think that I can have on the podcast for three hours. And it could be just a fascinating conversation. So when you are working full time, eating and exercising, take a backseat, just like in your everyday life. So we started seeing people lose weight and their body composition change a little bit, even in a two week period. And we could measure it. And that's really when we started discovering things like the orthostatic intolerance, because we had a lot more people flying. We had mm. men and women flying, and they were dedicated toward operations. And so the human need kind of took a little bit of a backseat. So um, that led to a lot of understanding about what we were capable of doing, depending on how you design the operations of the mission. In 2000, when they launched uh, Space Station, the idea was these people were going up and going up for longer durations at the time it was probably more like four months three four months not quite the six months and more that we're doing now um but that's a marathon compared to shuttle mm -hmm. and so you really had to understand where were we going with expectations on the human and were we providing what the human needed over time to still be healthy and functional perform well uh, given that they had a mission to do and the next one i don't think it um, I don't think it really was meant to be a series, but it turned out to be. Uh, I got lucky enough to bring on Dr. Gary Kitmacher onto the show. Um, person with a ton of history here at NASA, but just a history buff himself. He 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 knows the in, the space station inside and out. And so we took it all the way back, investigating the history of space stations. I I think we actually um, meant for it to just be kind of a one-time thing. But by the time we were done with our hour, we haven't even hadn't even gotten to the International Space Station. And so I said, Gary, if you're willing to come back um, for another round of this, we can 
dive deep into the space station. He was more than happy to do so. We got two episodes out of it, and it was really, really fun. Computers, um, when we started the design of computers uh, for the space station in the 1980s, there was no such thing as a laptop computer. Um, the first small Apple's uh, Apple computers were coming out probably around 87 or thereabouts. I remember when I went off to the source board uh, because I was the scribe, I was the person writing a lot of these documents, they uh, repackaged one of these Apple computers. It wasn't by any means a portable, we called it a luggable. <laughs> and, um, but uh, we were looking at large refrigerator-sized racks full of computer equipment in the wow. 1980s. Uh, by the time of Mir, uh, when our first astronaut went up to the Mir, he said he really could have used some kind of a computer system to read documents on, read training manuals, because otherwise we had no way of sending up lots of different manuals. Uh, even during his off hours, he said, boy, I could use something just to watch a movie on. <laughs> and so uh, I was given the job to develop the first portable computer uh, to be used as um, a training aid and also to be able to be used in off-duty hours. I remember we recorded onto small 8-millimeter cassettes the Apollo 13 movie, among others, oh. and sent those up in 1995. Now, Jennifer, uh, a little bit later, episode 136, uh, this was kind of came out of nowhere, but we uh, it was kind of tied to the astronaut application which opened up um i think it was only for a month i think it was through the month of march but we got to sit down with uh ann romer and caleb Barron and go in front of the cameras uh for a special video episode of the podcast and that had to be one of my favorites jennifer because we incorporated uh social media into it and kayla was telling some of the some awesome stories that I never heard before from astronaut training. It was just a really good time. Gary, it certainly was, especially because being new to, you know, the podcast team and having that opportunity to really have this interactive uh, conversation, you know, with these individuals, it was really neat to see how, um, you know, kind of our audience and our listeners and maybe new listeners, you know, really engaged with us in order to have that real-time conversation and answering those questions that they submitted on social media. And it was just really neat to have that banter amongst these uh, individuals, including yourself, and, and having that be a part of just the overall, you know, kind of lend itself to the treatment of the overall conversation. I thought it was so neat and I was really happy to, to be a part of that. I think, it definitely gave the conversation a different flavor. Hopefully Johnny would think it's okay for me to tell this story, but one of my favorite moments from that trip, um, we so there's not much water in that part of Utah. Uh, a lot of times you're kind of scooping it out of these little potholes in the rock, just that like an inch thick of water trying to fill your you know various vessels for the day. Um, so it was kind of hard to get water sometimes, but one night, it started just this torrential downpour of rain. And it was cold, and we're all huddled sort of under this overhang trying to stay dry. And Johnny's tromping around in the puddles, 
He's wearing this big camouflage poncho. And I just remember looking up at him and my, my headlamp was shining on him. It was dark. And he was using his poncho as a funnel to shoot rainwater into all the water bottles and pots and pans. And he just looked up at me with this really excited look on his face and said, Kayla, look at all this free water. <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard because it's just like, it's in those moments where people are cold and tired and you know maybe a little bit bummed out and seeing one of your peers, your teammates, like literally the glass is half full for him. You know, he's just like, this. look at all this free water. And you're like, you can think like, oh, it's cold, terrible rain. But for him, he was choosing to see it from a different perspective. And that's the kind of teammate you really want in those hard moments because all of a sudden everyone's laughing, everyone's morale is boosted. And that's just Johnny being Johnny, you know, Johnny being himself and being willing to share himself with us really brought the team out of, you know, a tough moment. I really hope we get to do that more because uh, I, th I think that was the intent was we were really hoping to um, to kick off a, a series of video episodes and maybe and maybe when we're back from from quarantine that uh, maybe we can start investigating some of those down the road and do a couple more video things. Uh, but I think that was one of the last episodes we recorded uh, with uh, with in in studio, I guess, even though it was in front of the camera, uh, there were. Actually, I think the last interviews we did, um, and Alex, you're going to be very proud of me for bringing this up, was the Soyuz landing episode. Man, I've been holding on to this one for a while. I know uh, we, you know, we meet weekly to uh, to talk about some of the episodes, and this one has been on the list. But it's just it took a lot of work to put together. Um, so some of those interviews that you heard for Soyuz landing was happening in the days before uh, we actually went to a work from home status for NASA and man I'm lucky we got to bring those in. Alex, I'm hope you're proud of me for actually uh for actually pulling through and, and getting that one out. I, I definitely am. You know what? As long as the wait it was, it was definitely worth the wait. I think that episode was really, really awesome and the hearing the sounds and, and the way the flow of it and for that for me that was one of the uh, the first episode I had to edit straight from home. So that was a big transition for me. And to start working from home on an episode as complicated as that one was definitely challenging, but I think the overall result came out really great. Our pilot brings us fairly close to the capsule, a short walk, but far enough away so as not to affect the operations going on. Turns out we're one of the first helos to get there. Some teams are preparing structures to retrieve the crew inside. It's my job to report all of that. I call onto NASA TV, which has been broadcasting the crew's departure and landing live, and report what I'm seeing. Well, Rob, uh, it is a very brisk winter out here. There's a bit of overcast at the, here at the landing site, so we weren't able to see the capsule come down. But here I am, right in front of it, capsule erected perfectly Sometimes there's a Russian video crew out at the site, but they haven't made it there yet. So my reports of the capsule status, safe and upright, are the first to most. Eventually, a crowd surrounds the capsule. Logistics professionals, medical doctors, program leads, all eagerly awaiting to see the crew who have been living in space for six months. And so the search and rescue folks will go and they're saving the capsule, making sure everything looks good. Um, we're there at that point in time, so we're watching what is going on. I've been able to go over and kind of look through the window, get an eyeball on my crew, make sure that they look like they're doing well, get the thumbs up. Yeah, and that was... Uh... I, I really, really enjoyed doing that one. I'm glad we got it out. It was a different style. It was a narrative style, but I just, I like playing with, with 
different stuff. Uh, Jennifer, we did the uh, we did the print. Uh, the Soyuz landing was a completely different narrative style, just uh, trying to explore different different ways of doing things. Jennifer, actually um, thinking about uh, just you know some of our favorite episodes and doing things a little bit differently. Not necessarily differently, but actually one of my favorites uh, was the untouched Apollo samples. This was kind of a timely timely episode. Um, because we got to bring Sharice Kreischer and Andrea Mosey um, into the studio very shortly after they opened a sample that's been preserved for 47 years since Apollo 17. And I loved their story of when they finally got to the moment of opening it. So we actually cr yes. created and mixed together these different materials, the di different sand, different grain sizes, um, and extruded that to get a feel for what the actual extrusion would be like and the dissection um, so we could practice that. And then... Did that several times. Yes, yes. we did that several times. <laughs> you're basically some... becoming a, a process like an expert. You yes. get yes. the techniques down. You, you're limiting what is unpredictable. Uh, you're trying to think about what, you know, this is exactly what, are, to, to a certain extent, this is exactly what I'm going to expect whenever I actually yes. open this yes. thing. Mm -hmm. And these are the techniques I'm going to use. And yes. try to anticipate what was done in the future and what mm. we needed to change right. for... Yep. the present because a few things changed we did yeah. change some made some modifications but we did yeah. we did we decided to put everything together outside of the, the box that we could ahead of time hmm. um, instead of trying to handle these tiny little screws <laughs> inside of a glove box with your hands in the gloves really and tedious yes <laughs> so um, but then when we got to the moment I mean that was Ooh, yes. that was, that was, yeah, that was a, you know, got a little warm there, got a little sweaty. Yeah, um, that was, uh, that was incredible. And to, you know, you've, you've got, I've got the core in front of me. And the first thing that you have to do is you have to take off. Uh, it's, it's capped on both ends. So you have to take off one end, and then you pivot the core tube around, and then you take off the other end. This is all in the glove box in that the you're glove doing box. this. Yes. And it's right. your hands. It's my hands, and it's it's facing me, and nobody else can see what's going on. And then to actually take off that cap. Yes. That cap <laughs> that the last person who handled it was Gene, Gene Cernan yes. on the moon in 1972. <laughs> nobody else had touched it. That was my moment. That was that was the moment I had to stop and do a little heavy, you know, deep breathing. I was documenting everything, and I would type, Sharice is having a moment. <laughs> yeah, I think I stopped. I said, wait, I'm having a moment. And, that's, and she did. She wrote that down on our documentation. Sharice wow. is having a moment. It was also incredible for that episode, Gary, because not only was their d dynamic really fun and how they um, – you know, converse amongst each other and then with, you know, with you. But I think another thing was that they both had very, um, and I, I've learned this with a lot of our guests on the podcast, is that um, there are stories about how they got to where they are um, was is is incredible and Andrea has been with the org, you know, with the agency for quite a while. So to be able to add that history to it and to be a part of you know uh this you know unopening was just incredible and as somebody who just you know being from the other side there for a little bit before I joined NASA right and then being at NASA and be like that's 
awesome. You were the people that did that, you know, because, and it's really neat. And, and they're just so passionate about what they do. And I love their non, you know, linear, you know, paths to where they are. And I think that was incredible that they shared that with us in that episode as well. One of my absolute favorites. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was another one we got to record right before we all went from work from home. Alex, I know you you mentioned it's been difficult um, uh, working from home with coronavirus. You have to do things a little bit differently. You know, you're, I guess you're spoiled when it comes to some of the tech you have here at NASA. Yeah, just some of the tech that we have at NASA, um, the, it's a, mainly it was a mental thing, just trying to, when I'm at work on site, it's easy for me to be able to sit down and work on a mix. When I'm at home, I don't have a quiet home. My dog wants attention all the time. He's barking while I'm trying to mix. I'm trying to make my setup is similar to NASA setup without using the same technology. So it was a, it was, it was a little difficult at first, but I got it down now as, as well as I can to be able to push out episodes as quick as I was before. Um, but it was definitely a bit of a challenge. Um, it, mainly of it was a mental thing, having to figure out a quiet space, trying to actually make myself focus working at home was kind of challenging. And background noise, the lawn guy always coming by at eight o'clock in the morning, right when I want to start working on a mix, he comes by and just starts standing in front of my window, blowing his leaf blower and just texting on his phone. So getting through all of that and still kind of putting out episodes that the quality that we're used to putting out was definitely challenging. There's been so many times we haven't been able to get our favorite room, which is Studio A. We have to record there. I know we are recording from the booth for some of the remote uh, episodes, even recording from home now for, for this episode. We've, we've had a wild number of locations for recording uh, this episode. I know one of my favorites we had to record um, you know, in a, in a different configuration with, with quarantine and with social distancing was actually for demo two, we really needed to uh, talk with the crew and we really wanted to put together something that kind of explained the mission forward to backwards. I was lucky enough to get not only the crew for a certain segment in the beginning, but I got uh, Zeb Scoville, the flight director here in, in Mission Control Houston to come in and man, what a passionate and knowledgeable guy. I got to, he actually gave me a little bit more time than we originally had. We got an hour and a half with him. And uh, I asked him every question I could about the mission, and he was just more than happy to share. But the passion he had was just unbelievable. You know, if, if we've done our job well, uh, then what people will see is a mission that looks easy. <laughs> um, and uh, in many cases, you know, I've seen this throughout my career in spaceflight, nothing about it is easy. <laughs> um, but, but if we do it right, it looks easy. And, and so that's what I'm hoping people are able to see, uh, but just know that that there are people that have that spent a lot of time and effort, and and it is their their life's honor to be able to do so, and and to be able to inspire, you know, whether it's you know the the kids or or the grandparents, um, on what we can do when we when we come together and put our differences aside, and and whether you're a new company or an old agency, or you know you're you know a fresh out of college or someone who's who has decades of spaceflight experience with you, you know everyone's got something they can add. You know you don't have to be um, a mechanical engineer, you know whether it's you know teachers or scientists. Now I know we're, uh, I guess close to 150 at this point. What was that? Demo two was episode 145. Uh, this is uh, episode 152. I know one of the later ones, Nora, uh, was the NASA photographers episode, um, kind of explaining about a little bit of what you do in your everyday life when you're when you're not helping us with the podcast. Yeah, that was a, a fun podcast. Um, 
I thought, because uh, it was it was the guys that I work with on a daily basis there uh, that you interviewed. Um, and if you listen to that podcast and you hear the the clicks, um, that's my camera. I was there taking pictures, um, which you know uh, is is very uh, on brand, I guess. Um, and one thing I did want to say about that podcast is is it was it was fun to to listen to that about experiences and one of the things that Josh talked about was his first time at the NBL um which was also my first time at the NBL that was when uh James and I James brought uh Josh and I to the NBL we were both new employees and he was showing us around and uh there was a shootout there and it's it's funny because right now I literally rushed home for this podcast um from a shoot at the NBL um so it's really funny to compare those those experiences. You know, the first time you're at the NBL is this really wild thing. It's like you get to watch these astronauts get suited up and go into this pool with this full-scale ISS. And it's just the first time you're there, it feels so surreal. Um, and it, it, you know, you, you want to keep having, Josh talks about how you want to keep having that energy every time you go, even though you go, a lot, it can start to feel mundane, but it's still this really cool thing. And when you're capturing images of it, you want to bring that that energy of excitement to the shoot every time. And I just thought that was a really cool uh, thing that Josh talked about in that podcast. And I remember the first time I went to the NBL, James took me there and it was an astronaut getting suited up. Um, and I, I remember just getting so excited. Um, and I still get excited when I go over there, but I was just taking a ton of pictures and, you know, James, I can't even imagine how many times you've shot this. <laughs> but I come out of there, I go, you know, we leave, we go back to the office, and I'm telling everybody, it's like, they're making history over there, you know? It's just like, <laughs> I was so jazzed by it. And it's just really important to, like, not lose sight of that. I loved having those guys on. And, and honestly, that was, uh, that was one of my favorites to have. It was a little bit different, because we don't normally have three guests, but um, I know all those guys, you know? I, we work together all the time. I see them at shoots and Mission Control and various... Uh, events that are happening they're they're just everywhere is i think nasa photographer is just one of the coolest job pretty pretty jealous of what you do nora it's it's definitely a cool job to have i <laughs> can't argue with you there <laughs> um i love what i love about doing this podcast is we can come up with unique things you know we, we can have an episode on on nasa photographers and and dive into this thing that maybe isn't talked about in in normal um normal content you know we're always talking about especially nowadays we're talking about uh the moon and mars we're talking a lot about um uh, mission uh control and and commercial crew these are just topics that are pretty normal but diving into stuff like that is always so fun um i think another popular episode we had was mission patches uh with sean collins one of the great designers of some of those patches and it just uh, just one of those unique things that um you know, you don't really hear from these guys very often. Um, and so a lot of people wonder about, you know, where do these mission patches come from? Who's the person designing them? So it's really cool to have people like them on. And then, of course, uh, with with uh, being part of this team and coming up with some of those ideas of unique topics, um, Belinda, I know you you suggested space hygiene. And I just I kicked myself in the butt because I feel like that was one we all should have come up with. One of the top questions that people ask is, you know, how do you pee in space? And I'll tell you, those uh, that episode was one of my favorites to record because um, 
uh, Aliska Hicks and Mike Barrow were so engaging um, and so fun. We were laughing. We were. Uh, it, it was a very relatable kind of conversation. Um, and it was. It was your idea, Belinda. It was. It was. It was one of my favorite episodes. Truly. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed that episode as well. Um, yeah, Aliska and Mike, uh, which they talk about how astronauts maintain their hygiene in space. And one thing that really stood out to me during the conversation was that how they recycle today's coffee to the next day and how they just laugh about it. But it's, you know, it's true. It's what happens in space. And, and they also recycle urine and sweat. Uh, they also touch base on how they help train the astronauts and how they use the bathroom in space as well. And it's a bit crazy to think about it here from Earth, you know, in my opinion. Uh, but just learning about it is extremely exciting. And um, just the whole conversation was just great. And I'm, I was so happy to have suggested the topic. And yeah, definitely a, a great, great podcast episode. <laughs> What's the saying? Today's coffee is tomorrow's coffee or something like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yesterday, yesterday's coffee is today's coffee. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely one of my favorites. Thank you for suggesting that. Dan, we haven't heard from from you in a while. I know, you know, we we absolutely missed having you on, but just taking a snapshot of everything we've talked about just now from episode 100 all the way through just these past couple episodes that we've been doing. Um, you know, just it's what what are your thoughts? What are your, you know, do you do you want to come on for for a couple more episodes? What are you thinking? Yeah, I I definitely miss jumping in and the the thing you love to see is when, when we started it out, it was okay, let's pick something kind of big and broad, and we just talked, what is the International Space Station? And to see the level of granularity and the level of specialization that we're now really just diving into is insane. And it's, it's really cool for us because part of our job is to just know these things, and this has honestly become one of those best tools just to teach ourselves as we teach other people about all of the different systems and all, all of the work that goes into just everyday human spaceflight. And it's been really exciting to watch it all unfold and to bring people along for the ride while also getting to do some of the more fun stuff like going back into anniversaries and things like that that we, we don't always get to do. And this has been a really great platform for that. really has. Alex, you've been with us since the beginning. Uh, what are your thoughts now? I mean, we're three years. Are you ready for another one? I'm definitely ready for another one. I felt like over the three years, our podcast has really like not just grown an audience, but just grown in in the way we handle and discuss content. And I think that I've learned extremely a lot. When I first started the podcast, I was still kind of new at NASA. So I didn't necessarily know a lot of the ins and outs of exactly what we do and the different things that we're working on and meeting the new the scientists and engineers. So I've grown as a person just listening to our podcast and being a part of it. So I'm definitely excited to see what else we can come up with. Jennifer, as one of the newest members, thinking about the potential of what we could explore, what we could do, you know, bringing your fresh ideas. Are, is there a level of excitement there? Are you, are you excited for the next year? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I just 
getting started, I feel, um, I think truly being with the podcast team, it's been like three, four months, maybe, maybe a little longer, you know, in December, but then, you know, we started working from home and so kind of learning at that aspect. So I think, you know, seeing the team overall and how we've come together to still kind of, to continue the podcast, think out of the box, bring all these creative ideas. I mean, what's not, to be excited about for the next year, right? Um, and I think, I think we are prepping ourselves for, you know, a very awesome year, just like the ones that you've experienced and the growth and all that. It's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited too. I, you know, what I, I love exploring, kind of like how Dan said, just the the nitty gritty, those granular details, those stories that not a lot of people hear of. I just feel like. There's no way we're gonna we're gonna be able to run out of content. I just feel like there's so much to explore uh, with human spaceflight and even more. I know just after this, I think uh, we're gonna tackle some non-human spaceflight, which is kind of human spaceflight related topics. So you know we'll just we'll we'll do whatever, and I'm and I'm happy to keep doing it because um, I, I I do see a certain amount of value in these. I know just coming up, I, I want to do more video episodes for sure. Um, we have the 20th anniversary of continuous human presence on the space station. Uh, so we'll continue to release episodes on that up until the 20th anniversary in November of 2020. Um, we have a collection of space station uh, episodes at our, uh, I guess our episode webpage. Uh, there's a collection of space station episodes. And I guess to the listener, for those who, who have listened up to this point, thank you. Um, for for listening to us and for subscribing and listening to our content. I hope you like it. Um, please leave a review and uh, any amount of stars, uh, five through five, I believe is the range uh, for our podcast. Uh, leave some comments, either whether you like it or not, uh, um, just even to be critical. Uh, you know, we're always looking for ways to improve and provide suggestions. So, um, absolutely something that I think we should do. Thank you to the listener for everything that you've done. Oh, we're on teams now. And Jennifer, I see you are raising your hand. I'm going to toss it to you for a sec. Right. You know, and on that note, I think, you know, here we are like, uh, you know, kind of figuring out the stories and, you know, bringing that to light, but we would love our listeners to bring in suggestions, you know, using, you know, hashtag ask NASA, because, there might be something we're not thinking of or a question that we haven't answered yet so far. And so I think, you know, kind of on that note, Gary, it's, it's awesome to have that engagement um, from our listeners because we want to hear what y'all want to hear about too. Absolutely. I definitely want to hear what you all want. I, I, I'm, I'm willing, you know, and I'm, and we want to, and we have listened to your suggestions um, and made some improvements over time. So, so definitely keep those coming. Um, I want to end on this note, having you guys all here, it's been an absolute honor to be working with every single one of you. I, this is one of my favorite parts of the job is getting to do this and I hope we will continue it. So here's to another year, guys. I promise when we can be within six feet of each other, we're going to have some cake. All right. Open my clap, everyone. Let's go out on a break. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey, thanks for sticking around. I know I had a great time talking with the podcast team today. I hope you uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Reminiscing with some of our favorite moments and getting a snapshot of some of the clips of all the fantastic episodes uh, that we got to record over the past year. We really had a good time, and I hope you continue to stick around. You can listen to any one of our episodes at nasa.gov slash podcasts. Go there. You can find Houston. We have a podcast. You can listen to any episode in really no particular order. We have a lot of them, so make sure to check some of those out. Uh, we also have a few collections. If you go to nasa.gov slash Johnson slash HWHAP, that's our homepage, we have some collections on the left there. You can check out some of our uh, Apollo episodes as well as the Space Station episodes we're putting together for the 20th anniversary of Continuous Human Presence. If you want to talk to us, uh, we're on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform uh, to submit an idea for the show, and just make sure to mention it's for us at Houston We Have a Podcast. This episode was recorded on June 10th, 2020, remotely from our homes. Thanks, as always, to Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Norm Moran, Belinda Polito, and Jennifer Hernandez, who are instrumental to make this happen every week, and of course, to Dan Hewitt, who has been with us since the very beginning. Thanks to you for listening and helping with the success of the podcast and really helps to uh, keep us going. Give us a rating and some feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on and tell us how we did. We'll be back next week.